Most Christians ain't. That's right. Most Christians ain't. Well, Ben, what do you mean by that? That's crazy. Most Christians ain't what that word means. They're not followers of Jesus Christ. Somebody's been reading my notes again. It's just like that song we just sang. A lot of people willing to say, I've got a friend in Jesus, but how many are a friend to Him? Most Christians don't follow Jesus. They're what have been called unsaved Christians, cultural Christians, social Christians, Sunday Christians, Eastern Christmas Christians, lots of other terms. You get the idea. Y'all heard that before, right? There's an awful lot of people that call themselves Christian, but they don't do what Jesus said. They don't bear fruit worthy of repentance. In fact, they bear bad fruit. And that shows they're bad trees. We've talked about this a lot. I won't get too crazy, belabor the point too much. Last time I preached on this parable that we'll see in Luke 8 this morning, I got kind of shocking. I wasn't preaching in a, in a systematic way. It was a one-time thing. And so I grabbed everybody's attention with a bunch of statistics and actually got myself in a little bit of trouble because I got a little too detailed. But... You know as well as I do, you look around, there's a lot of people say they're Christians, and if you look at their lives, you're like, really? Right? We, we know. What we not, may not be aware of is the extent of the problem. Lots of people will throw out statistics. Frequently, they're attributed to Billy Graham. Say 85% of people sitting in church pews aren't actually saved. Or 50%, or 60%. Depends on who you ask. Billy Graham probably didn't say any of those things because nobody can seem to find where he said it and what the context was. So it's one of those just random quotes that gets thrown out. The person didn't really say it. But lots of people do make up numbers like that. I don't know where they get that, really, to guess, because it's not like I can go take a thousand people, look at their hearts and say, okay, you belong to Jesus, you don't, you do, you don't, and, and have real numbers, right? You can't do that. But there's things we can look at, there's fruit we can look at to kind of get a good guess at how bad this is overall, right? So just as an example, 2016, Barna Research did, did some research on the state of the church. They asked some pretty basic questions and found 73% of American adults identify themselves as Christian. 73%. Only 31% of American adults are what the Barna defined as practicing Christians. That is, people who attend church at least once a month. Now let's think about that one for just a minute. Being a Christian means I follow Jesus. I'm a part of His family. I'm a child of God. Right? It means I want to do what He said. And part of that is don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's provoke one another to love and to good works. It's to continue in fellowship, in the teaching of the apostles and in prayer, right? More than half of American adults who identify as Christians don't do that at least once a month. Kind of says something, doesn't it? Only 34% of American adults read their Bible at least once a week outside of church. I'm guessing the, the fact that that's higher than those who attend church at least once a month is 
the few folks that are maybe in nursing homes or otherwise just can't attend. You, you would expect a little bit there. Only 35% of Americans would say they're born again. Only 35% of Americans would say that they have committed to following Jesus, have been forgiven of their sins, and dedicated their lives to Him. That's less than half of those who claim to be Christians claim to have done that. And that doesn't even count the ones of those that are fooling themselves. Tells me less than half of people who call themselves Christians are actually followers of Jesus. Right? And as I said a minute ago, my, my experience with people, just anecdotal evidence, leads me to believe that that's true, and in fact that number is probably a lot higher. Including evangelical Christians, including Southern Baptists, including right here in Clay County. And this morning we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this, and, and why this is. He goes into some detail, and we've, we've already addressed this. He talks about people who call Him Lord and don't do what He says. And the topic is generally looked at throughout Scripture, a lot in the Old Testament, right? You're my people, but no, you're not my people, one of the prophets says. So, it's a significant problem throughout the history of God dealing with people. shouldn't surprise us it's a significant problem today. But for some reason, nobody wants to talk about it. And I can understand why. This hurts people's feelings. So before I get into it, please hear my heart. You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. I love you. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't be here. It's been a whole lot easier for me to sleep in this morning. And it's like we talked about at the pastor's breakfast yesterday morning. We, we do a monthly breakfast with the association. As, as we talked about yesterday morning, the money is not good enough for this. Okay? I'm not complaining. I'm not asking for a raise. I appreciate y'all's generosity. But the money is not the point. Because if the money was the point, I'd be doing something else that pays better. The point is that I serve my Savior, and I serve you, and I love you. And the point is to bring you His truth and draw you closer to Him. Okay? And if that truth's hard, well, then I've got to tell you a hard truth. Because I care. I could come up here and do all happy, and, and happy songs are great, but it, it's not all happy messages. Because if I did that all the time, you'd never grow Right? So that's where I'm coming from, is that I love you, and if this hurts, I'm sorry, but it's going to have to hurt, because sometimes love hurts. Okay? In fact, I'd say preachers who never preach this kind of thing, there's a problem. There's a reason why. So this is going to be another one of those challenging messages, and in fact, this is probably as close to fire and brimstone as you're ever going to hear from me. And it's fire and brimstone for in here. Because for me to stand up here and preach fire and brimstone about how those people out there are going to hell, but aren't you glad we're in here and we're going to heaven and everything's great? Nobody's going to grow from that. It's not going to do anybody any good. So now that you know where I'm coming from, let's take a look at what Jesus said. Luke 8, starting verse 4. When much people were gathered together and were come to Him out of every city, He spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, 
what might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. All right, probably everybody has heard this parable before, right? We'll, we'll get to what the parable itself is as we go through the explanation. Because we're going to see in a second, Jesus says the explanation is really the story. But first, let's talk about why Jesus is speaking in parables. Luke gives us the short version of it here. If we go to Matthew chapter 13, we get a much longer explanation. Mark's is closer to Luke's. This is another one of those that three Gospels have the same story and it's a little bit different. Unlike the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, where I said I thought that's actually two different sermons that are similar. In this case, I think it really is the same story. They're just recalling it a little differently. They're, they're recalling different parts of it, expressing different parts based on what the Holy Spirit has inspired them to write. And let's face it, Jesus probably was talking in Aramaic and they're translating it into Greek. So they translated it different. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean the Bible's not accurate. This, this isn't an inerrancy problem. But the reason I bring it up is this is one of those cases that we can cross the two stories up and put them together to get the whole. Well, at the same time, we probably should be looking at what each author is doing in their own writing. So, from all these passages, without going into too much detail, the reason Jesus is speaking in parables is the ones that are going to get it are going to get it. And ones that aren't going to get it, they're not going to get it. So the ones that it's given to understand that are following Jesus, and so now He's going to explain it to them, His disciples, that's who this is for. They're going to understand, and then they can take this truth and use it and apply it and become better disciples. This comes right after feeding the 5,000. And Matthew, I believe it was Matthew, records that Jesus looks at the people following Him at one point and says, you're only after Me because of the food. Right? Actually, that may have been John. I'm adding this in. It's not even in my notes. <laughs> but at one point, Jesus says, you're, you're here because of the bread. That's not the bread you need to be seeking. Right? You're, you're missing the point. There's a lot of people followed Him because they saw the miracles and said, I'm sick. Let me come to Jesus. Not that they wanted to follow Him. They just wanted the benefits. And there's an awful lot of folks today that are doing the same thing. They're coming to Jesus so they can go to heaven, but they don't actually want to follow Jesus. And I hear things like, well, I'm just not smart enough to figure all this out, so I'm just going to sit here and know I'm going to heaven and not worry about it. i got news for you. That ain't following Jesus. If it's not given to you to understand, you're the one of the ones that don't understand. I'm not saying everybody's got to be an expert. But we need to actually be following Jesus and learning, not just saying, well, i got what I want. So, let's be those that follow Him. Let's hear the parable. Let's hear what He has to say and learn from Him, and apply it to our lives. So let's pick up his explanation in verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the Word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They and the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the Word with joy, and these have no root which for a while and a time of temptation fall away. And, they, and that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. 
So, this is another one of those that he's telling a story. He's using an example. He's using metaphors. And they don't necessarily translate real, real well into our culture. And so I'm going to have to embellish a little and then use a couple other analogies to try to help it make even a little more sense and help us get the feel again. I don't think Jesus minds. This one's going to be a lot easier, though, because it's a little closer. Y'all, y'all know something about gardens, right? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of aware where, where I am, <laughs> where I'm preaching, right? <laughs> y'all know something about growing vegetables. Okay, Jesus is probably talking about growing wheat or barley. I don't see a whole lot of wheat fields out here. So we're going to have to adjust just a little bit, but... We know about growing stuff, right? So when you plant a garden, why do you, why do you plant? We can be interactive a little bit here. Why do you plant a garden? Because you want the food that comes out of it, right? I don't go out here and plant tomatoes because I don't want any tomatoes. I just want to throw seed on the ground. I don't know anybody that plants okra because they want tomatoes. They want okra, right? You plant what you plant because you want a particular harvest. A lot of people preach this parable as it doesn't matter if whether there's a harvest or not, what's important is that the seed got sown. That doesn't make a lick of sense. And we're going to see at the end, I've not even noticed this, because I've always preached this from Matthew. I hadn't even noticed it until I read it in Luke. Jesus dispels that myth in the very next verse that we'll see at the end of this. The point is the harvest. If there's not a harvest, you've missed the point. How do you feel about a tomato plant that doesn't have any tomatoes? You pull them up. Just like he says elsewhere, every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Or maybe it was John the Baptist that said that. Jesus, in talking about being the vine and you're the branches, said the branch that doesn't bear fruit is cut off. Right? This is throughout the Scripture. Let's don't miss the point. We're not proud of plants that don't bear fruit. So with that, let's go through each one. First, the wayside. Remember, he's talking about scattering seed to sow, right? The wheat seed. So let's talk about a kind of seed you scatter, like grass seed. Wheat's a kind of grass. It it sort of works. I know we're not going to eat the grass, but work with me a little. So when I was about 10, we we knew some folks that had a house built. And they had a big yard, and they had it all graded real nice and flat and level. and, And they had a new driveway paved, and everything's good, and they needed grass seed put in. But there were a bunch of rocks. And the weather was kind of bad. And it was... It had been raining a bit, and it was kind of a mess to try to get out there. And we finally hit a patch of weather that you could get out in there and do something. And so they asked for help. And a bunch of us from the church went over there. Like I said, it was maybe 10 or 11, and of course, kids are free labor. So you got a bunch of kids out there with buckets picking up rocks for two or three hours. Any of y'all ever done that? We picked up a bunch of buckets of rocks. Miserable. <laughs> and got done picking up rocks, and they said, okay, that's good enough. Let's sow the grass seed. And we start scattering seed around, and... And some people are taking, you know, like a bucket and just throwing seed like this and everything's good. A few people have the, the little thing you crank and it spreads it for you nice and even. Jesus is probably talking about somebody using their hands, I'm sure. But they'd already had the driveway paved and we want the grass to come right up to the driveway, right? So as we're scattering, well, some of the seed naturally went on the driveway. And so, you know, we get that all done. We spread some straw out so, so that everything's all set nice and it doesn't wash and and they gave us all two slices of pizza and said, thanks for your help, go away. <laughs> yeah, that's how you pay kids, right? So we went home, and everything's good. And a week or so later, I happened to be back over there, and I was shocked that there was no grass growing on the driveway. I mean, didn't we plant seed there? That's, that's kind of silly, right? That's what Jesus is talking about here. The wayside is a road or a path. 
It's, this isn't anything crazy. It's not rocket science. Wayside is King James English, but it's not hard. Might, Jesus might have had a stone road in mind, or He might have had just a hard-packed dirt road, but either way, it doesn't matter. Cars driving back and forth over it in our time, or soldiers walking, or, or wagons going, whatever. Even if that seed does try to sprout, before you can even see the little bit of green, something's going to run over and kill it, right? But it's probably not even going to be that far because the birds are going to get it. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said? So I happened at my, neighbor, my friend's house. The birds got it before it even went anywhere. So what does he mean? Look at verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So these are the ones that hear and nothing happens. There's no faith. There's no response. They don't even understand, probably. There's no life. They come to church. They listen. They leave. A lot of times by the time they get home, they couldn't tell you what the sermon was about. In my experience, by Sunday night, most folks don't know what the Sunday morning sermon was about. I've asked. I've referred to it and said, y'all, y'all help me out. What did we talk about this morning? And they go, I don't know. And I know it, it's, sometimes things come up and we, it takes a minute to recall it. And as we get older, our memories aren't as good. And you maybe take notes or something. I don't know. It, it, I, I get it. I'm not trying to throw a guilt trip on you. What I'm saying is that a lot of times it doesn't even make it to the car. Why is that? Well, part of it is if there was no response, if it doesn't sink down deep in the heart because that heart's hard, it goes away pretty easy, doesn't it? It's not like where we put straw over it on the, on the ground and it hides it from the birds. And so then something happens. Like, I don't know, the kids start acting up and you're yelling at them in the parking lot. And now you're all mad at the kids. And so by the time you get to the car, you've forgotten all about that you know, forgiveness and gentleness sermon we talked about. Right? Or maybe it's something as simple as a conversation about what we're going to do this week. Or a conversation about church business. And we get so involved in the task that we forget that part about love our neighbor that we just discussed in the sermon. Now, I'm not trying to throw a guilt trip on you at all. I'm not saying discussing church business is bad. I'm not saying kids are bad, obviously. But it's something we may want to think about if the devil's using us to distract somebody. Just, just something to think about. Not saying never talk about anything after church. I'm just saying it's worth considering and being sensitive to what's going on. Next we have the rock. The rocky ground, as Matthew puts it. Luke says it's just a rock. Whatever works. Same result either way. Y'all been out flat rock? Or, or seen that, that rocky patch as you go down 77 towards Wadley? Can you grow things on a rock? Yeah, there's <laughs> stuff growing on those rocks, right? How does that work? Roots aren't going down into the rock. Yeah, there's a crack or there's a little dip maybe and some soil gathers. And then if you land some grass seed on it, I'll use grass seed again because we can picture it. It's wheat, about the same thing. It's going to be the first thing to come up in the spring because that rock's going to absorb all the heat from the sun and then you got the spring rains and it's nice and moist. And it's going to come up faster than anything else. And it's going to be great. But then we get to July and August. And it's 100 degrees outside and it hasn't rained in three weeks. What's that grass look like? It's brown. It's dead. There's nothing. And so if this was a tomato plant, are you going to have tomatoes? 
you, you get no tomatoes from that, right? Because it's going to die as soon as you hit a dry patch. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's absolutely useless. It doesn't do anybody any good. You get no usable result from that. Look at verse 13. They that are on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Jesus says this is a person that receives the word with joy, like that, that soft soil that's in that little dip in the rock receives that seed very easily. Comes up quick. A lot of really green growth. Hey, this is wonderful. Look how great it's coming up. It's not going to last. Because that heart's still hard. It's just as hard as the road. There's just enough give that it takes a hold just a little bit. As long as everything's perfect. But as soon as there's a problem, as soon as it's hard, it's gone. This is faith that doesn't endure to the end. This is faith that only endures for a little while. So what does that look like? We normally think of persecution because that's the word that Matthew uses when telling this story. He says persecution and tribulation. And certainly that applies, right? Persecution and, tempta- and tribulation give us a temptation to deny Christ, as we saw in Peter, right? And we've got brothers and sisters all over the world that today, right now, are facing that. And we should be praying for them. Knowing that could be us just as easily. They've got that pressure and they're tempted to fall away. They're tempted to deny Christ. They're tempted to let that faith die. But we don't face that, do we? It's like Ben Curley said when we had church on Wednesday night. You're probably not going to be asked to die for your faith this afternoon. Anybody think you're going to get beaten for the gospel this week? Anybody had your kids taken away, your property taken away? We, we just don't face that. Remember how we talked about in James, there's all different kinds of trials, there's all kinds of tribulations, there's all kinds of testing. James talked about rich people testing and poor people testing. We said we can extend that to, you know, like maybe white people testing, black people testing, uh, old people testing, young people testing. It's all different, right? We're different situations. Well, in this case, it's communist dictatorship people and American democracy people. And it's a different kind of test. See, we get taught that it's all about us. We get taught that the point of life is my rights. We get taught that I should be everything I want to be. Go pursue my dreams, because that's what it's all about, right? And then we come in here and we read Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Plain. We covered a couple weeks ago. It says it's not about you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't pursue your rights. Pursue love, even if that means you get wronged. In fact, if you're being wronged, help them wrong you more and show love that way. If that's what it takes to get the point across, the point is, love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive. Give to everyone that begs of you. Don't worry about your own needs. And I go, oh, wow, that's great. And then I go out here, and my neighbor wrongs me. And I've got a choice. I can forgive, like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, or I can hold a grudge. Does it die when it's hard? Do I, do I, am I happy about it in church, and then when I have to actually go out there and do it, it dies? 
What about when I drive down to Montgomery and see this guy on the side of the road with a sign that says, hungry, please help. And I know all I've got in my pocket is a $20 bill. And I think to myself, if I give him $20, he's just going to go buy beer with it, not food. Do I give to everyone that begs me like Jesus told me to do? Even when it's hard? I'll tell you, that's a temptation for me. That's a trial. And sometimes it dies. Do you do what Jesus says, brothers and sisters? Even when it's hard, are you only doing the easy things? That hurts. And let me tell you, this isn't as many people preach this about, well, you know, there's not any fruit, but at least they'll go to heaven. This is a person who's not following Jesus anymore. This is a person who started following and said, oh wait, no, no, no. Not if I have to actually do what you say. That wasn't real faith in the first place. I've got to switch metaphors for the next one. Because, well, we've got roads, and you talk about sowing grass. We've got rocks, and we talk about sowing grass. We don't have a lot of the kind of thorns that Jesus is talking about here. So I'm going to talk about kudzu, because we've got plenty of that at work. And we're going to talk about watermelons. So I want to plant some watermelons. And the only space i got to put it, i got a big old kudzu field. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go bush hog the kudzu, and then I'm going to plow that ground, and I'm going to disc it, and we'll get all this nice, pretty ground. And hey, look at all that green stuff I put in down to rot down and make it even more fertile. This kudzu stuff's great. And I'm going to plant watermelons. How's this going to work out for me? <laughs> that, cud- that watermelon's going to come up, right? I probably set the kudzu back enough that the watermelon's going to sprout. But once that kudzu gets going again, it's going to take over. It's probably going to kill that watermelon plant, isn't it? If the plant does survive, Am I likely to get watermelons? Let's say I've got a really, really strong watermelon plant. Best I can hope for is maybe like a softball-sized thing that's white all the way through and tastes gross, right? Here's my question for you. Am I going to go wading through all that snaky kudzu and get that softball-sized watermelon and the whole plant too and bring it in here to a church supper and say, y'all look at my watermelon plant. Isn't it wonderful? I harvested it. No, this time I'm going to kill the whole thing with fire. And then round up, and then more fire. Right? Because that's the only way you're getting rid of cuts in, is to do it over and over and over again and just destroy it all. Right? And that water, unfruitful watermelon plant's going right with it. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about with these thorns. Think about a couple of wheat stalks getting choked out by briars. Anybody going in there for a couple of grains of wheat and dealing with briars? It's not going to be enough to do you any good anyway. And it probably is so choked out, it's not good grains to start with. That's the picture he's painting. Verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. It might be a little fruit, but it never grows to maturity, to completion, to perfection. So what does that look like? I wish I had more time to do Bible study and pray, but I'm just so busy. I'd help out with that, but I got too much going on. Maybe after the holidays. I'm in a hurry right now and don't have time to stop and help. Beloved, if we're too busy to do what Jesus said to do, we're too busy. 
Again, it's calling him Lord, not doing what he said. And the result is the same. Doesn't matter if you're getting persecuted and beaten and your kids taken away and your property taken away for the gospel, and yes, even killed. Or if you just got too much money and too much convenience and you're too busy managing all the blessings. Not doing what Jesus said is not doing what Jesus said. And not following Jesus is still not following Jesus. Got weeding you need to do in your life? I do. The good grounds are the easy one. This, this should be intuitive, so I won't belabor the point. Verse 15. But on that good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. This is what we're supposed to be. Good, honest heart, not a hard heart. Not one filled with conflicts of interest. This is the people who keep the word, nurture the word, let it root deep, remove the things that keep it from growing, and then do what it says. It's not enough to just hear the word. We've got to receive, really receive it. We've got to accept it as what it is, the very word of God, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. And then we've got to actually do it. That's how we bear fruit. These are the ones who keep His commandments. The last word in this verse is one we've discussed before. Patience. Patient endurance. Hupomene in Greek. It means sticking it out. It's the same word, just a different form, that says, he who endures to the end will be saved. You've got to bear fruit with that endurance. It's not easy. Weeding's hard. You get your hands cut up on the briars, right? Putting down roots and getting rid of the rocks is hard work. Sticking it out through that hot sun in the summertime in a drought is hard. It hurts. The fruit in the end is worth it. Like we talked about in Sunday school this morning. And we look back and go, yeah, that was worth it because look what I've got now. Right? That's why we garden again next year. Matthew notes that some bear a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Luke just says a hundred. He's making a little bit different point. That's okay. The reason I bring that up is it's not about how much I do for Jesus. It's not about me earning something from Jesus. The one that bears thirtyfold gets harvested as good fruit, just like the one that bears a hundredfold. Right? I'm not talking about merit at all. I should want to produce as much as I can for my master because I want to please him even more. Just like, well, I'll harvest fruit from this tomato plant that's got two or three, but this one's my good tomato plant that's got 30, right? I want to be the 30 one. But that you're still getting fruit. You see what I'm saying? They're sitting about earning anything. But the one that does nothing, well, nothing's what you're going to get. Let me put that another way. If you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, be a good and faithful servant. Because if you're not a good and faithful servant, do you think Jesus is going to lie? Or with Stephen. I believe that song is correct. Stephen heard Stephen welcome home. Do you know why? Because he said, Lord, hold not this sin to their account. He was like Jesus. Let's look at a couple more verses and we'll wrap up. Verse 16, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which, may enter see the, that they which enter in may see the light. 
For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be made known and come abroad. No one puts a lamp on a table in a room and then puts a paper bag over it. Right? If your power goes out and you need some light in the house, you don't light a lantern or a candle or, or some kind of battery-powered light and go sit under the kitchen table, do you? It doesn't make any sense. You don't put a security light out in the yard so nobody steals things out of your barn and go put a feed bag over it. That's just ridiculous. It's, it's stupid, right? It misses the point. This is the verse I was saying we were going to get to. Jesus says, if you're going to miss the point, don't bother. You've missed the point. There's no point in even hearing the Word if you're not going to do it. If there's no point in trying to say, oh, look, I received it, if you're not actually going to bear fruit. It misses the point. It doesn't do anybody any good. These things take time, but it is all going to come out in the end. Right? That's what Jesus says. You don't owe me an answer. You don't owe me an account. There's one to whom we'll all stand and give an account. And it is all going to come out. So what I beg you, beloved, is to be honest with yourselves and be honest with God today about where you really are. Let's don't let it be a surprise when it all comes out in the wash at the end. And we're standing before God and the books are opened and He says, well, here's what really happened. A lot of people are going to be surprised. In fact, I think we're all going to be surprised at what, that, what comes out about some people, right? I'm asking you to be honest between you and God today so that you're not surprised about what's said about you on that day. Because see, for me, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. And Jesus details that in the next little bit of Matthew where He tells the parable of the wheat and the tares. Y'all have heard that one, right? Somebody sowed weeds... And it's a weed that looks just like wheat. And the master says, don't go try to pull that up now because you can't tell the difference between the good and the bad. Wait till the end when the fruit comes out and then we'll know the difference. He tells his servants, don't go try to take care of it now. I'm not to try to take care of it now. I'm his servant. It's his field. I'm not trying to point fingers at y'all today. I'm saying you do some evaluation between you and God and I need to do the same. He concludes with this in verse 18. Take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall it be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. Jesus says be careful what you do with the words you hear. Be careful. The one who has it, that it's growing and it produces fruit, you're going to have more. He's going to sow more seed in that good ground. And it's where there's more fruit. And then there's more seed. And then there's more fruit. And we'll keep going. Just like you do with your garden with good soil, right? But the one that doesn't have, even what you think you got, that word can mean seem, it can mean think, it's our perceptions is the point. It may look like you got something, there's no fruit, you're going to wind up with nothing. That's what Jesus is saying here. Again, it's just like the discussion of the vine. Different metaphor, I don't want to mix them too much, but it's the same message. Every tree, every, every branch that does not bear fruit is cut off. 
every tree that bears fruit, my Father prunes so it can bear more fruit. It's the same principle. We're the ones responsible for that. We're the ones that determine what kind of heart we have. Our response to the Word of God is what matters. We don't earn it. It's not that we're, we're, we're being so great and Jesus owes us something. It's simply the way we respond to His grace. We abide in Him and because of Him we produce fruit. So which kind of ground are you? Are you bearing fruit or are you unproductive ground? I want to read you a little section out of Hebrews 6 and I'm almost done. The, the background here... We talked a while back about don't be like Israel and tempt God and fall in the wilderness and fail to enter the promised land. Today is the day of salvation. It's been quite a while. That's the context as we're coming up into chapter 6. And then he talks about those who have tasted the good gift and then they fall away. There's nothing we can do to cause them to repent. We've given them everything we can. Me telling them the gospel again after they've said, oh yeah, that's great, maybe not. Probably not going to do a whole lot of good. That's the way I understand that passage anyway. And then he says this about such people. Seeing they crucify themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that come oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we're persuaded of better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. And that's where I'm coming from today. You, you've got to hear the truth. You've got to understand where we stand. And sometimes we've got to say hard things, just like the writer of Hebrews. He's writing a hard letter to people that are under persecution and are really tempted to fall away. And he's saying, stick it out, run the race with patience. That's chapter 12. Sometimes we've got to hear these things. And it's the same message. The ones that bear fruit are blessed. The Gospel comes to maturity and then we receive the crown of life. The ones who fall away was never good to begin with. And is nigh unto the cursed and his end is to be burnt. Beloved, I'm convinced that there's much better in store for you. Just like the writer of Hebrews says. God is faithful. He's not going to neglect the work you've done. But we've got to run this race with endurance. We have to endure to the end. It's been a whole lot of scenes around here. Both since I've been here and before that, I'm sure. How's the growth? How's the fruit? Are you producing fruit? Are you coming in and going back out? And it's gone by the time you get to the car. Or are you too busy? Or is it too hard? Be honest with God today. That's what I beg you to do. Because the consequences are too important to play around with. Are you a Christian that ain't? Or are you following Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I, I almost don't know what to say. This is hard truth. But it's what Jesus said, and He said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
God, give us ears to hear today. Give us eyes that see and hearts that understand. Sometimes I, I don't even know what you're trying to do through the Word you give me. All I know is this is what you've said. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to understand. You'll help me to apply it. You'll help me to see where I fail. Help me to see the weeds, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the other things that get in the way and get them out. Help me to see where my heart is hard and needs some work. Jesus promised that He'd send the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And Lord, I pray this morning that He would do exactly that. That for each person in here, the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth as to what You would have us to do in our lives in response to the Word that we've heard. God, don't, don't let Satan take this away. Help us to guard it and protect it. Help us to nurture it. And I pray that it would grow and bear fruit and bring You glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.